But really great to have um, such a focused day. And I, I love Colossians. And I'm with you, Ben. I love Epaphras, that lovely. Uh, I'm going to go a step further. I think he was an overseer. Um, we'll come to him in, in a second. Um, but I, yeah, we're, we're on the screen, aren't we? I'm going to need someone to change this view. I don't know how to do it. Can, can I have the same view as on the screen? Sorry, Jack. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> um, so three more things about uh, the complete Christian. And I'm going to say or and or complete Christians. This was a letter to a church. So it's... That's great. Thank you. It's got both an individual and a collective message. So it's for us as individuals to take the message on board. And it's, that's not to be lost in the context of us serving together in a church of God. Um, so what we're in today, and you'll see this on the programme, is three more things about a complete Christian and such a person, and I'm going to say or such a church, is to be characterised by prayer, by evangelism, and by partnership. <coughs> One of the things that I, my attention was drawn to in our little books is the, um, the verse on the bottom of the sheet, which I've got on the screen. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness, that's one version, your version might say you have been made complete in Christ. And one of the things I was struggling a bit with is the tense, it's past tense. So you have been um, given fullness. So does that mean we've arrived? Um, in, in the discussions we were having about the illustration of a plant with roots and stuff. We were saying how progressive it was from roots to strong stems to flourishing foliage and fruit and whatever. But the verse, our key verse, teaches us that it's a past thing that we've been given fullness. So do I conclude that we're all expert prayers and we're all expert evangelists and partnership is a dream. We just all blend together in harmony no, I think we inevitably all struggle with all three. And it's a great example of interpreting scripture with scripture. Here's a, another verse from Paul, and we have been drawing parallels between Colossians and Ephesians all day, I think. And he uses similar language often. It was he who gave gifts so that the body of Christ might be built up until... until ongoing process built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, common theme in Colossians, maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. One verse says, you have been given fullness, past tense, done deal. Another verse says, it's a, an ongoing development into maturity. I, I liked an expression David Woods used. He talked about um, being qualified. And I'm going to choose to apply that term 
um, to our key verse, that we have um, been given fullness and it's a qualification that enables us to progress in our Christian lives to be complete Christians individually and also serving together in a church. So we're on a journey, it, we haven't got to the destination, and, um, but we're qualified that we have the Holy Spirit and he's with us, he's a, he's a guarantee and he's an, an enabler. So prayer evangelism and partnership, are, are there three things that we can say we should all have um, by virtue of being granted fullness? And I'm going to suggest that anyone who's got to this point that is in Christ um, and has been given fullness, that there should be, in context of prayer, evangelism and partnership, an appetite, an exercise and a delight. And that's not to say it's a piece of cake, <laughs> um, but it's, it's to say that we're on a delightful journey that's thrilling. It's hard work, it's difficult. And we have an appetite. And we have an appetite to exercise the appetite in these areas. And I'm looking at an audience today that proves it. You're here because you've got the appetite. And in the process of being here, we're exercising that appetite. And I had a real sense, it's a delightful thing for us to have been here today. Uh, can I justify those three things? Um, I think I can. And we have evidence of it in chapter one, Paul. We've, heard, we've been here before. There'll be a bit of repetition here, but I, I have no issue with that at all. In fact, I'm encouraged by the repetition because it, it just confirms um, the truth that we've been considering. He says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying. His appetite and exercise, not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight. We had that from Ben's talk. Delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. One of the things I was uh, going to point out here is I don't, um, I don't find criticism in the letter to Colossi, to the Colossians. Uh, I don't find rebuke. Uh, I find celebration, that's what this verse is about, and delight. And I find warning. Uh, I want to talk about Epaphras uh, in a few minutes, and we'll come back to the point. And it's really, why did Paul know to write this letter? Um, and I don't think it was because the disciples in Colossae had gone off track. Um, he says the opposite here, you know, how firm in the faith but they were highly vulnerable. And that's why Paul wrote the letter. We'll come back to that in a second. I want us to focus on uh, uh, two parts of chapter four, and we'll just read them together. So it's, it's chapter four, verses two to six. And we're thinking about exercise, appetite, exercise, and enjoyment in the context of prayer, evangelism, and partnership. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, this is the conclusion, by the way. It might sound like familiar language because he's been there already before. 
but it's his closing remarks, and therefore it's a, a punchline and it's a conclusion. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. From these four or five verses, I want us to consider prayer and evangelism. And we'll go, for, go to prayer first. And I have just some very simple things to, to express, and it's just how, how the words stand out from um, these few verses. And it's, it's really an insight into what being a complete Christian looks like in the context of prayer, and what being complete Christians look like serving in a church of God in the context of prayer. So we're talking private prayer, we're talking assembly prayer meetings. I'll just have a quick co uh, comment on each of these words. So he encourages them to devote yourselves to prayer. We know that word, don't we? Um, it's Acts 2. They continued steadfastly uh, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread uh, and fellowship. And it became the occupation of the Church of God in Jerusalem and subsequent churches of God which were planted. And there was a, a kind of um, consistent uh, clockwork timing to it. Um, remembrance every week, giving their gifts, uh, material gifts every week. Get that from 1 Corinthians. And here's Paul saying, devote yourself, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer. It's just a challenge to us all, do we pray every day individually? Because we must. That character characterises a complete Christian. And it's not that we're accomplished at it. We're on a journey. Um, but we have the qualification to be able to do that. Um, do we attend every assembly prayer meeting that's within our means? And as brothers and sisters, do we participate in every assembly prayer meeting, either audibly or silently? He says, be watchful. Uh, psalm 5 is a lovely psalm about prayer. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. And Paul is encouraging an orientation about prayer which is expected. So uh, I feel so much the value of this at the moment in praying with brothers and sisters on Zoom in Myanmar. Because we pray for things like peace. <laughs> We're talking about peace in a, in a country that's in civil war. And things go on that, that we just plead for peace. And there is an expectation, a watchful expectation that, that we know God hears our prayers and we're just looking for the answer. And at the moment we just can't imagine where it's coming from because it seems so far out of our reach. But we lay our requests before him and wait in expectation. And we do it with, with thanks. There's um, a prayer recorded about the, from the Lord Jesus in Luke 14. Sorry, Luke, Luke 10. 
and he says, I, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Um, and he's just beginning uh, his statement about, he's praying about his, um, his disciples, and it just begins with a statement of thankfulness. If we're very familiar with Philippians 4 and 6. In nothing be anxious, it's that verse. Um, with thanksgiving, uh, request, present your requests to God. Just another element of what prayer looks like in the context of a complete Christian or a Christian who's on the journey to be com complete. And Paul says, so those things about uh, being devoted to prayer and watchful and thankful, um, it's encouraging individuals to pray for themselves and the church to pray for itself. And then he says, pray for us too. And there is a breath of prayer. Um, I don't know whether we're all into prayer lists. Uh, I find it so helpful. Um, I use an app called PrayerMate and I've become very dependent on it. And it just is a, a register of things to pray for. And our prayer should be characterised by breath. It's not just ourselves, but a whole range of things. Um, and I just encourage us to do that. It's, it's what Paul um, was expecting and encouraging um, complete Christians to be like in their prayer lives. So there's breadth and there's depth. Really interesting. He says, um, and pray for us too, that God may open the door. It's a specific thing that we may proclaim, that I may proclaim it clearly. And um, it's a real lesson for me about promising to pray for someone. John, did you, did you just mention the name? Is that it? <laughs> or do we need depth? Um, Paul was able to pray intelligently about his brothers and sisters in Colossae, not because he knew them, as we've learned, but because Epaphras had told them about him. And now he was praying in an intelligent way. By that I mean knowing information about them and knowing what ought to be prayed for. And that should also characterise our prayers. So we're to be devoted to prayer, we're to be watchful, that means expectant, we're to be thankful, we're to have a breadth to our prayers and a depth, that means specifics, because that's what um, God is looking for from us, not that we educate him and tell him about things he doesn't know, of course not, but we align ourselves with what's going on by our intelligence and we acknowledge God's sovereignty in it all and share our burden with him. That's the character of, um, of prayer. What about evangelism? Another uh, characteristic and element of someone who is on the road to being a complete Christian or a church that's on the road to being a complete group of Christians. So I want to do the same thing and I should warn you the chart gets a bit busy because I'm trying to put a comment on each of these things but the, the, the ones highlighted under evangelism um, are really what a few verses just teach us about what evangelism might look like. Before we go there, evangelism is the right word because it's, it's about reaching out with the gospel which includes the truth the truth of churches of God and how 
disciples need to serve together. But I didn't want to categorise evangelism, limiting, limiting it to people who were the gift of evangelism. Um, evangelism is the, um, the operation, but we're not all evangelists, but we are all witnesses. That's Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses. So none of us are off the hook. If we might think we haven't got the gift of evangelism, then that's maybe true. But we are to be his witnesses and witnessing personally or in whatever way we choose um, or whatever opportunity that arises, it's evangelism. So the uh, first thing we, we, we kind of go back to Paul's um, exhortation to prayer. Um, and he's asking specifically for himself and his companions that God may open the door and I'm linking that to the later expression um, that about the reaction of the saints in Colossae to outsiders. What a what a kind of um, politically incorrect statement to make. We've got insiders and we've got outsiders. You know, where's the diversity and equality and all of that stuff in that? Well, it's a fact. There are people who who are in the kingdom and not yet in the kingdom. There are people who are saved and not yet saved. There are people in, in churches of God and there are people who are not in churches of God. And Paul is, in the specifics of the prayer request, he's saying that God may open doors and that he's encouraging evangelism by witnessing to outsiders. And um, evangelism is, is both... Um, broad and targeted and um, the only real means whereby a person can be reached and saved is that God is working in their life of course and we have that verse in Acts 13 verse 48 and it says all who were appointed for eternal life believed we do need to pray that God will lead us to the ones who have appointed to eternal life so that we know the spirit is working in them and that's that's for God to lead us to. We can't discern that ourselves. Evangelism is targeted and it's, it's God's choice and it's by his spirit's prompting. Um, may God open a door, this is his prayer, request for prayer for our message, that we may proclaim. I love that, that word. Um, remember the remembrance is about proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. There's a, there's a boldness about it and in your faceness about it. And that should be part of evangelism in a, in a wise way, as we'll see. But it's not kind of a, a bashful, begrudging, shy statement. It's a proclamation and requires boldness. And what is to be preached? The mystery of Christ. We've been talking about that already today, and I just go back to um, 1 and 27. God has made known the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's a repeated expression through, through the letter. And it, it's, the, it's the whole mystery, tr hidden truth, now revealed, as we've said, beginning from um, God's sovereign purposes and his love and his plan of salvation and his reaching out to us, his dealing with sin, his uh, qualifying us for service, and calling us into service together as brothers and sisters in churches of God, all embodied in the message which is the mystery of Christ. 
for which I am in chains. I pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. That, that word means shine. And there's a, there's a certain positive um, gloss about the amazing message of the gospel. It's not um, a dull thing. Um, it's not something we kind of begrudgingly apologise for, but it's something that shines because it's about God's love and his mercy and his grace. And he was asking that he should be wise. And I link that to his exhortation about their witness, um, that they might know how to respond to outsiders. And it just speaks to me about a sensitivity in, in teaching and preaching God's word and being his witness, then there's a, a requirement for context and for a wise way to approach someone's circumstances so that we may know how best to um, engage with them. So be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and the word act is also translated walk, that's behaviour. And further down, let your conversation um, be always full of grace. So um, evangelism and our, tes our testimony, our witness, is um, about our behaviour. I know it's been said uh, many times, I don't know where the origin of this statement is, but preach the gospel and if necessary use words. You've heard that before, haven't you? It's about our walk, it's about our life, and our lives should be provocative and prompt people. And that's um, a characteristic of the witness and the evangelism as seen in complete Christians. Making the most of opportunity. I wanted to put the label courage against that. Um, I just show a personal burden. My, my son-in-law isn't a Christian and I love him with all my heart. And there's loads of opportunities, because I see him most days. Um, do I make the most of those opportunities? Um, bear in mind there's wisdom needed, um, and you know the, the gospel needs to shine, and it needs to be from my life. But I do feel lacking in courage. Sometimes it's just me and him, and what an opportunity to bring it up. And it takes courage to do that. Maybe you can pray for me and Ange in that regard. And Amy, his wife too. Making the most of every opportunity. Um, let your conversation be always full of grace. And um, we were thinking about grace in our last discussion, weren't we? Uh, it's, it's gentleness. First Peter 3 and 15 says... In your heart set apart Christ as Lord and always be ready with an answer to give um, an answer to give the reason for anyone sorry always be ready be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have and do it with gentleness and respect why would they ask about my hope it's because my life provokes them to ask the questions and we're to do it with gentleness or respond with gentleness and respect and seasoned with salt salt preserves but salt also um, 
gives something that otherwise might be bland flavour. And of course the gospel can never be bland. Is that true? Presented appropriately, it will never be bland. Sadly, maybe I can make it bland. Um, taste and see that the Lord is good, that's Psalm 34. And our presentation of God's love and the gospel, I put it to you, should be tasty to everyone who hears it. So that you may um, know how to answer everyone. That means answer each one. And the context is in personal testimony. And it's bespoke. I have a different approach. Uh, it's about the being wise um, and living the appropriate way. Um, we'll have a different approach depending on who it is that we're witnessing to. So be ready uh, for a bespoke message. Just things that drip from Colossians 4 that teach us about what evangelism in um, a complete Christian or in a complete community of Christians might look like. I want to just finally consider partnership and for this we revisit our friend Epaphras, the one whose name means lovely. Um, I'm going to ask him one day, why, why did you go to Rome? Um, in the meantime, I'm going to speculate. Uh, we've said that Paul wasn't um, the founder of the church in Colossae. Um, Epaphras was. And tradition has it that Epaphras was probably saved and became a Christian by a campaign that Paul had in Ephesus, which is not so far away. Um, and so here Epaphras is, I believe, an overseer in the church. Um, let's read the, um, the passage. And I've taken some verses from, from chapter 1, which is where we first find him, and then in, in chapter 4. Paul to the Colossians, you understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. Talking about partnership here. No, no uh, disciple of the Lord Jesus is standalone. We weren't designed for that. We were designed to be community. And um, here Paul has a, a roll call of individual people who he is partnering. And they're all doing different functions. And I'm just homing in on Paphras just for the time being. You learned it from, Paf from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Epaphras is one of you, that means he came from Colossae, and a servant of Christ Jesus, and sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those of Laodicea and Hierapolis. You've seen these maps before, but I wanted just to give some scale to it. So we've got a cluster of three churches in the left map, and you zone in, and, and uh, Ben described it for us very well, except I'm going to add Hierapolis to it on the basis of what we've just read from chapter 4. So we have a district be a northwest district of churches of God, you know, 15, 20 miles between them. And Epaphras is, has got them all on his heart. My contention is he's an overseer because he taught them. You know, he taught them the truth, he planted the church. And the church is doing really well. 
but it's in a completely different culture and they're vulnerable and he's done a risk assessment and saying, Paul, I need your help. And what does he do? Well, he goes to Rome and he shares the information with Paul and in the process gets put in chains himself. That's the nature of Epaphras. You really need to read Philip, um, Philemon uh, in parallel with, with um, Colossians because I do believe there were two letters delivered by the same people at the same time to the same audience. Well, maybe Philemon was more private. Um, but you just get a fuller picture if, if you read those. So we have the idea of Epaphras and Philemon as two overseers and they've got responsibility for this little district which is three churches. Um, and Epaphras goes to Paul and he's sharing the need because he's done a risk assessment and they, they're really vulnerable. And what should I do, Paul? You know, Paul, what, what should I do? I'm in chains. Well, write them a letter. And he, he writes his letter as he does really well. Um, and in closing the letter, we're still on partnership. I just love the roll call and I just uh, I encourage us to trace the names through. Most of them only feature once or twice. But you get this Tychicus, if that's how you say it. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant. Onesimus, we've been thinking about the runaway slave. He's described as a, a faithful and dear brother, and he's one of you. That means he hailed from Colossae. And these were two messengers. That means they were deacons, actually, um, amongst other things, perhaps. Aristarchus, Epaphras, described as fellow prisoners. We get that from Philemon about Epaphras. And we have Mark, uh, Jesus, Justice, fellow workers for the kingdom of God and comforters. Luke, the doctor, Demas and Philemon, dear friends and fellow workers. And then a couple of sisters, Aphia and Nympha, who were hostesses to churches in that district of three. And Archippus, a fellow soldier, we get that from Philemon and also a church host. We've just got this community that's close-knit. It's a, it's a northwest-type district, and you've got a united elderhood, and they've been responsible for the development of these churches, and they're, they're concerned about their vulnerability, and they're seeking help from other overseers, actually the Apostle Paul and his helpers, even though they're all that distance away in Rome. And what happens next? just want to conclude, really, with um, Epaphras' prayer. And this is an, an appeal to um, all of us, but especially to overseers. It's just a, a demonstration of, of appetite, exercise, and, and commitment, enjoyment, I think. Uh, it was aspiration um, that Epaphras had for his flock. Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And we don't know what happened to Epaphras. Maybe he was martyred in Rome. Seems likely that he may have been. Um, but this was his, his vision and his aspiration for the flock under his care. Um, they had been given fullness, but his aspiration is that they might reach maturity and be fully assured. You know, isn't that the best aspiration we can have for anyone, ourselves included and our families and our church, that it might mature 
and be fully assured. Thank you.